You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and today it is Valentine's Day. So, of course, now you may not be listening to this on Valentine's Day, but because it's Valentine's Day, I am hosting a very special episode with the hottest guest I've ever had on the show, and that is my husband, Richard Carey. Richard, welcome to the show again. Thanks, wife. Glad to be here as a repeat guest on your podcast. I yeah. think I'm one of the only ones who've done that. That's uh, pretty fun. I, I, I do that a few times. I only do that for people that I really, really like. Yeah. So I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah. <laughs> so Richard is a licensed professional counselor. He is trained in EMDR trauma therapy. He loves to help coach people in their marriages and their individual health from a counseling perspective. And so, of course... I am married to this genius, but I I think it's important. We're going to share a lot about our own personal marriage because just because you're married to somebody who knows what to do, whether that's (laughs) health-wise or counseling or um, whatever, right? It doesn't mean that we practically live it out all the time, but we do our best. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We really want to talk about how to keep the romance spicy, right? Because we see those ads a lot, like how to spice up your love life, how to keep that fire going. And I'd love to ask you, Richard, do you feel that um, we do a good job at keeping things spicy? (laughs) I don't even know what that means exactly (laughs) for us to keep our marriage spicy, but I think one of the things that we do a good job of, for the most part, whether this is spicy or not, is making sure that we're we stay connected and that we're on the same page, and we can always tell when we're not. And I think that if you're defining spicy as like connected and like romantic, well, I would say yes. I would say for the most part, yes. And then there are times when um, that's inconsistent or a struggle. Like we were talking about it before today or before we got on here, like how I have been missing you, and I think mm-hmm. that part of that is like my own like you know if we're going to get into the love languages like love language stuff but um but yeah i'd say for the most part we have a spicy relationship <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> i i laugh it's real spicy when we start picking at each other for um little things here and there and then that's spicy in the wrong way and that does happen when we're not connecting on a regular basis like you were just saying i, I noticed that i start getting really nitpicky with you about things and i get annoyed with you about little things and it's because we're not being intentional with our relationship and i think that that's a big key too right is that intentionality and we have to <laughs> for lack of a better word, be on top of things. We have to <laughs> we have to stay connected and make an effort to stay connected or mm-hmm. we do start noticing that, that a distance grows between us. And I think that a lot of people find themselves in that situation. What did you say to me yesterday? That I was being prickly? Prickly, yeah. Yeah, I was. And I and what's funny like is I think I may have said this last time, but my dreams tell me a lot. So mm-hmm. so just, you know, for the record, this weekend was kind of busy. Friday night, we hung out with our daughter till late, so we didn't get intentional time. Saturday, we went to Roman's basketball game. Then you were gone to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Then you got back yesterday, and it was another busy day with church, and then we also had another basketball game. And then last night, we were both tired, so we didn't hang out again last night. We're not hanging out again tonight. Yeah. But yesterday, when you were like, oh, you're being prickly, like a few minutes later, I realized, like, oh my gosh, I had a dream last night that we had this big fight. And so I even woke up kind of in a, like a fight or flight mode in our relationship where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of testy. 
but I think going back to that, like, <clears throat> I think that there's these times when I can tell, for me at least, hey, we're not connected. We have not had time together. We've not had time to talk. We've not had time to share. We've not had time to process. And that always leads to those little, like you said, those little gaps in our relationship where things get testy, things get prickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We did we shared about that on the first episode we did together, and we are completely living that out right now because life gets busy. And like we just said, we have kids. We want to be intentional with one kid and then the other kids. And it's it's a balancing act when you're parenting and you're working and then we work together at the same place, but that doesn't mean that we see each other all the time. Right. You know? And then by the time it hits eight thirty, nine o'clock, I'm exhausted. And so yeah, intentional conversation is just another thing I got to do. And beyond that, I know for many couples, then you you throw in, you want to have the physical intimacy. You want to have the spicy sex, right? But how do you do that if you're exhausted and you haven't even had time connecting with the other person? And so, you know, one thing that, that I've really been thinking about lately for me, and I know this might apply to a lot of women because I know it applies to women that, that I work with, is how our hormones make such an impact and how we are feeling towards our spouses. And I don't want to make an excuse, right? Well, like, oh, it's just my hormones. But I think it's important for women to track where they are in their cycle because it seems to be for us, there seems to be a trend that when I am in my luteal phase, which is like that 10 to 14 days before my period, I start out okay, I have some energy, I can handle the weight of the world a little bit. But as I get closer and closer toward the menstrual phase of my cycle, my energy starts wearing down. I am more tired. I am more prickly. And I do all of the supportive things that I tell my clients to do. I, I you know, monitor my diet. I take the good supplements. I make sure that my body is detoxifying estrogen the way that it's supposed to. But still, there's just not a lot of me that's left over at the end of the day. Have you noticed that, Richard? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. One, just in, like you said, like your energy level or your attitude like there have definitely been times where I'm like hey are you okay and I can just tell something's off but um yeah I definitely notice it and then obviously doing what you do I mean <laughs> I've I've heard the phrase luteal phase like Weak. too many times probably yeah I know <laughs> but it really you know it was helpful for me to learn that because it was like oh it's not just me it's not Richard it's not that I don't want to be around Richard it's that I am at capacity for what I can handle right now. And all I can handle is what's right in front of me. So in order for me to have time with Richard, I've got to take something else off my plate because I have reached capacity. I'm at my limit. Now you get me the day after I'm off of my period and I'm in that follicular phase and then I head into that ovulatory phase. That's when I have the energy. That's when I'm like, hey, Richard, you know, like I'm ready to go physically and I'm a lot more fun on an emotional connection level, but I, that that's easy to do during that phase. But I have to be just for me and my health more intentional during my luteal phase and my menstrual phase, because that's when I feel a drop in my mood, a drop in my energy. And I need to be aware of that and prepare so that I am leaving room for my family, for the people closest to me. Because what will happen is I'll spend all of my energy on everybody else and all the other things that I have to do. And then Richard is stuck with the leftovers. And I think that's true for a lot of men. And it, and it puts him in a really crappy position um, because, because you don't want to be my leftover, right? Like we want to prioritize our relationship. Yeah, no, I definitely think we want to make sure. And again, going back to just love language stuff, right? Like my number one is quality time. Um, follow, well, quality time and physical touch, right? And you pair those things together. 
that's really important to me. But I think going even back to what you were saying a minute ago, like, did you all these phases? I'm thinking about like the moon. You say the <laughs> ovulatory phase, right? Yeah. I mean, even with that, like, if you and I aren't intentional about our time together, there isn't there isn't the spiciness sexually, right? I mean, I can like, what does our friend John Ariano say? Like, um, like sex is just friction, right? <laughs> like, like <laughs> having true. an orgasm is just friction. Yeah. Um, which, and obviously, we know there's more to it than that. But like, if we're not connected, that's what it can kind of feel like. It's just an you know kind of an exchange versus like when I think of spicy you know, in our relationship sexually, like the times it's the spiciest, the most passionate, the most connected is when we're connected emotionally. Right. I've, I've been telling clients this a lot that, that the, that sexual intimacy is really the fullest expression of your emotional intimacy. Hmm. Right. That, that if you are risking vulnerability with one another, you're connected to one another emotionally, you understand where each other's at. Like you're able to be compassionate towards one another, show empathy towards one another. That's when sexually things are going to be spicy, but but I want to go back for a minute, just if you don't mind, going back to the original question, right? Do we have a spicy relationship? I think one of the things that happens for couples is they do want to get back to that like early dating where mm-hmm. like there were butterflies and there was like this emotional high. And that that's hard to get back to just simply brain chemistry wise, right? I mean, like research shows that in the first couple of years of your relationship, your brain is being fed like serotonin and dopamine. And so of course, like when you're around that person, like there's these butterflies and there's this excitement and there's this, you know, there's energy that you have, there's this connection you have. Well, after about two years of that relationship, those things fade. And so that's when you have to be really intentional about the spiciness, right? Like, do I get butterflies in my stomach when I walk into a room and see you? Not necessarily, but I, I am looking for you. You are the person that I want to see. Like, and when I see you, um, it does my heart good, but it's not the same as it was when we were, you know, first dating and there's all these, again, all these chemicals being dumped into our brains. And so again, going back to that word intentional, like if, if we want to make sure that things are spicy, we do have to be intentional about our relationship. Yes, I agree with that. And I want to pause because I have a thought <laughs> that I'm going to, that I'm in our question, I'm going to ask you following up, but I want to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. Right now, hiring is challenging. It's time for a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. That's Indeed. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. You can hire faster and better with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. One of the things that I love about Indeed, that it makes hiring all in one place so easy, 
is the assessments. Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests from cooking to coding. Indeed helps you see your top talents abilities faster with 135 assessment tests. Indeed assessments help take the stress out of the interview process, right? Like again, we don't want it to be a second job. Your candidates don't need to prove themselves again and you can dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash spark. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash spark to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash spark. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so getting back to what you were saying, Richard, we were talking about the brain chemistry that changes in the beginning. And you said something really sweet. You said that I am the person that you look for when you enter a room. And I think that even though it's not necessarily that zing, the butterflies, you know, all of that, I make, I often make a joke that uh, you are my GABA. GABA is a calming neurotransmitter. (laughs) (laughs) That when I'm around you, I do feel that my my autonomic nervous system, that stress response, the, you know, going from fight or flight to rest and digest, I've noticed that that can kind of stabilize. And and I feel a lot calmer when I'm around you. And I think that that's a good sign, right? (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that because literally last week on our staff at Living Well, someone made the comment, I bet you are really calming for Aaron. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Because of how much you do. No, it was about how much work you do and how you're constantly on the go. And yeah, I think that makes sense. And and what's funny, because I was thinking about it during the break, like, I, I think the opposite is true as well. Part of the reason I get excited to see you is that you're kind of a crutch for me in social settings. I'm an mm. introvert, right? And yeah, we're so different. So the person carrying the conversation in a social setting is not going to be me. Like, so having you around where I know, oh, she's going to, she's going to talk their heads off or ask them really good questions and I can jump in when I need to is <laughs> part of the reason. I and do. So they're, they're, ask a lot of questions. But it's, but it, <laughs> you know. I don't know how much you want to get into the GABA autonomic nervous system stuff, but there is a balance that I think we bring to one another. If if it were up to me, you know, we would we would be at home every day, hanging out here, doing things around the house. You bring an element of adventure to our family, um, and and wanting to do things and create experiences for our kids that just doesn't come to come naturally to me. And then the opposite is true as well. If it if it wasn't for me, you'd constantly be on the go. Whereas I bring a balance to you where you're like, you've learned, you've talked about this before, you've learned to to enjoy being at home and to enjoy sitting on the couch and reading a book or just having a day off. And and so I think I think just appreciating our differences. And I think that's, again, just from a counseling perspective, that's one of the things I hear so much from mm. couples is they don't appreciate each other's differences. Like the differences are friction. The differences, not talking about the sexual friction, the differences, <laughs> the differences are the issue, right? That they almost are wanting their partner to be somebody they're not. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's really interesting because I was thinking like, we are such different people and everybody comes into a relationship with a different family of origin, with different trauma. You know, we talked about that the first episode that we're really, we can only respond in a relationship in the way that we have seen modeled to us Mm -hmm. or that based on other experiences and relationships that we've had. And both of us had done a lot of personal work before we got together as far as you know counseling goes and I was in a recovery 
um, group for a long time. And I, and, and that really helped. But we still, because we are such different people and we have different expectations for what we're going to get from each other, <laughs> that can cause some problems. And there are times that I want to go somewhere. I get sick of being in this house. I get sick of being here because I homeschool here. I do my podcast here. I... I do all the thousand things that you talk about me doing. I do a lot of it from home. And so there are times I'm like, I just want to get out. I know it means spending money going somewhere, but I just have to get out of the house. And you are out of the house most of the time. And so when you get home, you want to just be home and you Mm -hmm. want to chill. And that can be difficult to balance. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, I mean, just thinking about our differences, right? Our first big fight was over our differences, right? You, <laughs> you thought I was like this because of the role that I've been in, in career-wise. You thought I was like this, like energetic, outgoing person who was kind of life for the party. And then, literally, the first party we ever went to together was around your friends, and you thought I was like this lame dud. And I thought everyone was being rude because everyone was talking to me. Mm-hmm. So, introverted Richard shows up at the party and wants to just sit at the table and listen to people talk and interject every now and then. You you are the life of the party. You are there engaged. And so then we get in the car and your first question was, why were you being so rude? And my question was like, why were you being rude? <laughs> why are yeah. you being rude? And that, but that's an ongoing thing. And that's <clears throat> yeah. something else. I mean, that still happens to this day when I am meeting some or not meeting somebody. If I'm seeing somebody that I haven't seen in a long time ago, I have a one track mind. How is this person? What have they been up to? Where where are they in their life? Like, I want to talk. I want to engage this person. And I forget that Richard's standing right there. This happened literally yesterday (laughs) and I forget to introduce Richard and I I call this the Gary curse my dad's name is Gary and this is how he is too like he is just so such an extrovert and wants to be so present for the people that he's talking to that as a kid I'd be like hey I'm right here dad (laughs) you know Um, but I do that to Richard I'm like oh yeah this is my husband Richard but at that point Richard has been dismissed for however many minutes of me talking to this person and so it's hard for him to really be like oh yes (laughs) I want to engage in this conversation now. And and it's tricky. It's hard because we are so different. But that's where, again, I go back to, for the most part, we appreciate each other's differences and recognize each other's differences. And it, it, it rarely, and I say rarely mean like once, I don't know, once it's every six months, once a year causes any kind of issue because, again, we've learned to appreciate those differences in each other. And I, and I, you know, if I'm thinking about the whole topic of being spicy, I think the other thing that we do because we appreciate each other's differences is, and you said this this morning, um, we get to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And that to me is another way to keep your relationship spicy. So it's not just like being intentional with your time. It's not appreciating each other's differences, but it's also learning to be each other's biggest cheerleaders, to be truly fans of the other person and what they're for and what they're doing and their goals and and again, even in the differences going like, man, these are the things that if I, I didn't have them, you know, in my partner, like I would miss them, you know. And so I, I think, again, if I'm thinking about keeping things spicy, that's another element to it is, is hey, I want to cheer for you and be for you, even in this move, mm-hmm. even moving to Tyler. And one of the things I told you was for years, you followed me in my dreams and helped me pursue what I was doing. And this was an opportunity for me to kind of say, you know what, in this season of life, and, and I know that's one of the things we want to talk about is just different seasons. But in this season of life, like, I get to be your biggest supporter. And that, to me, is a, a role that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying. Yeah. Do you think that the way that we've shown up for each other in our relationship over these 13, I mean, it's, it's 13 years. We've 
been together for over 13 years. Do you think that the way we show up for each other has changed depending on the season that we are in or the phase of life that we're in? Oh my God, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, if we just go through like, I don't know if we can like name a, a season or a phase, but you think about those first few years, right? We had the two of us and Isabel, who mm-hmm. was, you know, four going on five at the time. I was in grad school. You So we went from that moment of getting married and me, you know, us, me moving to Dallas, me being in grad school, you working full time, me, me in school, you know, part time so that I could, you know, be with Isabel on her, you know, days after school. And then... You but know, I was a breadwinner. <laughs> yeah, you were a breadwinner on a teacher's salary, yeah, right? That's all we had. And then, yeah. and then, you know, the next year I moved into full time school and started working part time and continued that that path as far as being you know, full time in school, part time work for the next couple of years. Well then I graduated. We found out we were pregnant with Roman, mm-hmm. um, bought a house. Yeah, lots of changes. So then, then Roman's born, and that's a whole. I mean, that to me was probably the the biggest change, right? It went that was your from first newborn, yeah. First newborn, and then, you know, just that element of like, you know, you, Roman depended on you a lot, obviously, as a newborn, and so I had time with Isabel, and then uh, my career changed, right? I thought I was going mm-hmm. into full time counseling at that time, didn't go that route, and chose a different path for a little while, and then, then Rhett's born. Um, and that I remember, you know, I remember that season was difficult, and I remember you feeling like I wasn't contributing enough with him. And I think part of that was like, yeah, I was, I leaned more into taking care of Isabel and Roman, and you felt like I wasn't really as present as I should be. But again, that's a, a moment where you were able to be assertive and go, hey, like I need more from you in caring for him. Um, but in each of these seasons, what I think's happened <laughs> over time, right, is. Our time has become less and less because of all that. Yeah. Right. Because we both work full time jobs now and you are back in school. We've got three kids now. Our time has become less and less, as you said earlier, earlier, as we're trying to not just spend time with each other, but spend time with our kids, invest in our kids, and yet at the same time continue to make uh, our relationship the priority. Because if our relationship isn't the priority, then other things are going to fall by the wayside. Right. The, yep. um, everything else is going to be. Um, is really going to struggle. And I, and I think that to me, though, so in all the seasons, I think the thing that we have done well, and maybe sometimes even to to a fault, is we have made sure our relationship has been number one. Yeah, we've had to. Well, and I think that that's what makes our situation unique. Other people have, I mean, not like we're the only ones. There, I think it's definitely applying to people more and more, but we came into our marriage, we already had a child. Hmm. I had a child um, that Richard adopted. That's a big part of our story. But I, I didn't know, you know, I had been a single mom for five years. Richard was a bachelor for a while, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> living on his own or living with friends. And that was a big, big transition for both of us. And so not only did we have to figure out parenting together, we had to figure out the marriage thing. And mm-hmm. so we had to from day one. I know some couples have that transition of, you know, they're it's just them for a while. Then they have the baby and everything becomes about the baby like we didn't have that transition. We just, day one, we knew that parenting obviously was going to be a huge challenge and we had to be on the same page there. But we had to put our relationship first mm-hmm. because when your relationship is first, then you parent better. You're being more, int- going back to that word, intentional with your kids. And I think that that is, that is really what has helped us to mm-hmm. the, to this point. Because there were times where, I mean... If we wanted to have time alone together, maybe it was a day date. I I remember very vividly it was a time, I think it was 
in between Roman and Rhett being born, Roman was little, we took a day Mm -hmm. and we just went bowling and we just, that way we could be home for bedtime and all of that, right? Because you go through those seasons where you need to be there for bedtime for your kids because they're little and they don't sleep well and, you know, whatever. Um, And then there are times that we would, you know, have our date at home, you know, sitting down together after the kids were asleep, having a little charcuterie set up or whatever it is, and just talking. There are so many times that we start some dumb reality TV show. We love our reality TV shows. And we pause, you know, five minutes into the show and start talking. And pretty soon we're like, oh, my gosh, it's we need to go to sleep. It's so late. I guess we'll finish the show another night. Mm-hmm. Like, we've even if... No matter what we're doing, we we find ways to connect to make that a priority. And I will say it does help that both of us, our love languages are quality time. That's important. Mm -hmm. It does help that Richard is conversational and engaging. And it does help that I have learned to be assertive with my feelings. I know not everybody is in that situation. So what would you say to somebody who is trying to improve their marriage and they want to improve communication they want to spice up the love life (laughs) um and really that whole date your spouse thing like how do you what do you say to somebody and then one partner's like oh this is like so cheesy and weird what do you do yeah i think i almost want to speak to like to the husband and the wife separately right like Mm -hmm. you know i want to say to to men like to the husbands like just just put yourself out there just try something, you know, and and again, like one of the cheesy, like you said, cheesy things that I'll do a lot of times is when I'm encouraging couples to connect with one another, to share with one another. Sometimes there's guys who don't really know how to do that, and and so I'll tell them like, man, just Google a feelings wheel and talk, and talk about where you're at, right? Just pick five feelings off a of feelings wheel and just go, hey, this is you know, this is where I'm at. I think another thing again that's really easy that you can do is to literally Google questions to ask your wife like what are some things that you can ask your wife and and to engage her to make sure she knows that you're being intentional to make sure she knows that your relationship is a priority and so if i was going to flip it and talk to wives i know just in our relationship i just know this hasn't been a huge struggle there definitely have been times and i know just from counseling that this is a struggle a lot of times is that especially when that first baby comes along a wife's attention goes from husband to baby. And so what I want to say is, hey, prioritize your marriage. You know, really make sure that is your your number one focus and that your husband does know that that's true, that that's the case, that he is the most important thing in in your marriage and in your family. Because like we said earlier, when you do that, things are going to flow from there. Um, And I think the, the third thing is just to be patient and gracious towards one another. Like to, you know, whenever... They they make an attempt, you know, towards you to connect with you. Like, man, if it's not the thing you wanted or hoped for or asked for, man, just be patient, be gracious, be be affirming of the effort, and and the and a later time go, hey, next time we're hanging out, can we do this instead? You know, suggest things, be assertive, um, but be patient and gracious, you know, towards one another as you're as you're trying to connect more, as you're trying to spice things up. And I think if you do a few of those things, I think you'll I think you'll begin to see some of that pay dividends, you know, as far as again the emotional connection and then hopefully you know, spicing it up, making it a more passionate, engaged relationship. Yeah, and I think that when you talk about Googling questions, I think that it we can get pushed back on that. Well, I already know them. You know, we already did this. We already talked so much when we were dating or whatever, but 
we change so much. Richard didn't know that he was marrying somebody who was going to become psychotic about reading nutritional labels and, you know, doing this podcast thing and coaching and functional medicine training. Like, oh my gosh, the things that I talk about now are so different than what I talked about 13 years ago. Similar. I mean, I, I had similar passions in that I did want to spark wholeness back then in a different way, but we're always changing and learning new things. And there are things that Richard is learning that I'm, you know, when he was doing his EMDR training, I loved hearing you know, some of those things that he was learning and just different um, things that he's learning through counseling. And I, I just, it, it doesn't stop just because you're married. The questions don't stop. Richard used to send me, email the, me these ridiculous questions when we were dating, like really weird stuff. Like if you were, you know, if you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be? I don't know if that's a specific <laughs> one, but, maybe, maybe. but I'm pretty sure he just, he was, he was a youth pastor back then. I'm pretty sure you just had some youth pastor guide of like <laughs> things to ask people, <laughs> like, would you rather questions or whatever? And I would get those in email and they're always fun asking. And I had to scramble to ask him different questions because I wanted to match him. And so whoever the person is, you know, one person has to start it, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody needs to, to make the step to start asking questions. And sometimes I think an easy way to get into that would even be if you have kids and they're at a fun age to talk to about these things like you know you wouldn't want to I mean maybe you do it with a two-year-old but you know when they're at at an older age you can do this at the dinner table our five-year-old recently Mm -hmm. has started his own I mean he's every kid is so different right but like the youngest one is the one that's probably the most social socially emotionally engaging in certain Mm -hmm. ways and so we'll sit around the dinner table he's like okay guys you have to answer this question which would you rather get a plant or a flower and it's like random stuff like that but then we all we start talking about it and so it makes it really easy when we're all talking about it as a family and then sometimes there are things that come up that i'm like that's funny about richard that's what he's picking you know like these are so i think that when you open up the doors for communication on that marriage level it's going to flow into the family as well and that's what we want from our kid for our kids Mm -hmm. right we want kids who are going to be able to engage in healthy ways and relationships and do better than what we did i think every parent wants their kids to be better than they are Mm -hmm. so if i can do the best i can to model richard being my best friend like when i love when when the boys are being (laughs) toots or whatever toward me and richard's like no you don't talk to your mom that way I love when he does that because he's modeling um, that that I am somebody that he cares for and will fight for and vice versa. You know, like I never and this could go into a whole other topic for a whole other episode, but I never want to belittle Richard or, you know, likewise in the same way, disrespect Richard um, in a way that my kids are going to see that we're not aligned. You know, Um, I think that there's equal equal respect coming from both sides that that that's modeled to our kids and i think that that's important yeah i mean we we obviously right there's like picking at each other kind of stuff that they can fun but we I, there's never been a time in our relationship where we've put one another down and especially in front of i mean we have that one fight where we put each other down but we've never put each other down in front of our kids they they always have known i i think and hope that that we really value one another and uh, so much so that we would never talk down to the other person or about the other person in general or in front of them. Like they, they know that, that we are constantly building each other up. And, and again, like, you know, kind of for, not kind of, we are for each other in our relationship. 
Uh, so going back to that, what are you talking about? The time that we put each other down, <laughs> the <laughs> stupid, need... the stupid house fight. When we... Oh, share that story. That's a good oh, one. Man. I don't okay. think we shared that on the so, podcast. Uh, we were buying our first house. So again, I, I just finished uh, grad school, um, and had, you know, if you've bought a house, you know the stress of all the paperwork and the down payment and uh, the money you got to put up. You know, earnest money and all whatever. I don't even remember what else was in there, but just the ridiculousness of all that. So it was already stressful, and so then we're talking, you know, we, we looked at a couple of houses. We found the one that we wanted. We both had two requests as a part of our desire to move into a house. The first for Erin was she wanted a, a nice master bathroom with double sinks and hopefully double closets, all that good stuff. I wanted a big kitchen. I wanted a place to cook and create. That's something that's therapeutic for me. And so we found a house that, that met both of those requirements. It was in a great location, just about a mile, less than a mile from her parents' house, which is, I know some people don't like their in-laws being that close. That was a benefit, a positive in my mind. Yeah, babysitting, hello. Yeah, <laughs> thanks Gary and Jana. Um, and so, uh, so we found the house, it was in our price range, and we put down an offer, they countered, uh, we accepted their counter offer. And so then I think like the next day we were talking about the house and some things, just some dreams we had for it and what we wanted to do because it needed, it needed a little bit of work. And you, Aaron, said to me, well, here's, here's one thing is if we don't move into that, like if we don't get that um, bathroom, the master bathroom updated, I'm not moving into that house. And me being like very financially like frugal and looking at the finances and seeing how much money we had and did we have enough money to to invest in that i just said like i, I don't know if that's going to happen and so aaron kind of doubled down and said like well i'm i'm not moving into the house unless we update the, the bathroom and i then doubled down myself and said well hey you know what like you sound like a spoiled brat and <laughs> you're like what did you say and i was like you know every i think every person and a lot of guys have this moment of like well, what do I do here? Do I apologize and move on? Or do I just, again, double down again? And so <laughs> I did. I was like, you heard me. You sound like a spoiled brat. <laughs> and and then Aaron, right? Um, if you're listening, you've listened to her enough to know Aaron's like the nicest, kindest, you know, compassionate, empathetic person <laughs> I know. Says back to me, well, you are a penny pension miser. And penny pinching miser. Penny pinching miser. What even is that? I didn't know what that was. I really didn't know what miser was. <laughs> so I literally had to Google what a miser was. But before I Googled what a miser was, I just knew you were trying to be offensive. So I got offended. So it led to <laughs> another back and forth of, well, if you're, you know, if this is what you're going to do, then we'll just take them, we'll take the offer off. And all, I mean, just ridiculousness that happens when you get into those kind of fights. And it's, it, it literally is the only fight we've ever had that we call each other any kind of names or or really talk down to one another in that regard it's like in that on that level yeah. and so yeah i think i think because of that because we've just for the most part tried to respect one another even in conflict our kids have hopefully seen that and um continue to know that that our marriage is the priority in our relationship and in this family and that we love them and our love for them is unconditional, but it, uh, it first starts with our relationship with one another. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny um, because we aren't, we have plenty of conflict, right? But I know both of us, we do the best that we can to hold back on words that you can't take back because there are words that you cannot take back. I mean, penny pinching miser, <laughs> never taken back, back that one. right? <laughs> well, I mean, what happened this morning, right? 
our our five year old said to our eight year old, oh, that's a "Perfect example. You're the stupidest stupidest brother, brother ever." ever. <laughs> and the eight year old comes in just sobbing, sobbing because of what his brother yeah. said to him. And we're trying to explain to the five year old, "Buddy, we don't talk like that in this family. Yeah. We don't talk to you that way. We don't talk to each other that way." Like. That's not acceptable. Well, I told him, I was like, that's worse than biting. That's worse than punching. That's worse than hitting. Your words are so, so dangerous. Yeah, because you can't, you can't take them back. Yeah, exactly. They sting. They hurt. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, speaking of. Well. Go ahead. Well, I mean, just, and that, to me, is another thing, right? How do we keep our relationship where it's at and how to keep it spicy? Like, we we think the best of and talk to each other as we, as though we think best of each other versus letting it go negative and call names. And so that's another way that we make sure our relationship was healthy. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say with that, um, that's another love language is words of affirmation. And so if anybody hasn't heard of the love languages, we, we already talked about the one quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, um, acts of service, gifts, and giving, yeah, gift giving. And so for Richard, I mean, I guess for both of us, words of affirmation are really big. And for me, I don't always, he's really great at sending me sweet little texts here and there. Um, I it, And I don't know if it's intentional that he does it this way, but I know I, I did tell him a long time ago that I'm more likely to have sex with you if you're being really encouraging toward yeah. me. So <laughs> I have a, a reminder on my, on my phone. <laughs> Aaron will have sex with you if you send her a sweet... I, I don't, but that'd be awesome. Oh, but it's true that, like, I, I just... I When I feel appreciated by him, I'm more likely to engage because I'm like, oh, I this is, this is safe, this is good, he loves me, you know? And I think as women, this, that's another thing that we have to get past. I think that some of us have hang-ups about sex and relationships and thinking that that our husbands just want to objectify us because that's what men do is they objectify. And that's that can be really that can be a really dangerous way to think about your marriage and about your husband if you think that he is just, you know, wanting sex so he can <laughs> objectify you and use you for his own pleasure. Um, and it that's another thing that that you and your relationship, you need to talk about. You need to talk about mutual pleasure and not just it being a one-sided thing. Because I think for a long time, women, whether it's, you know, hundreds of years ago, like, oh, just you know, lay there and take it kind of talk. Or if it's, you know, in recent years, even in Christian culture, you know, many people who grew up going to church and lived in these faith-based homes, they were told, you know, well, you have to, this is your precious gift and you have to wait and you have to save yourself. And this is just what men want. And so you, you have to wait till marriage till you give men what they want. But it, it, it gets to be really mixed messaging so that by the time you're in a relationship, you might have a skewed view of of what um, a mutual mutual understanding in a relationship looks like, whether that is sexually or emotionally or um, on a friendship level, because Richard's my friend too, you know, like he's my friend that I get to make out with and that's kind of a good deal. But I, I think, so with that, I think that I, all joking aside about Richard sending me words of affirmation because he wants to have sex with me, mm-hmm. um, I, it does go a long way to to affirm your spouse 
to just let them know what they mean to you and let them know that you believe in them and you're on their team. And I, I don't do that enough for Richard. I am fortunate that he does that for me. I try to remember a lot of times I'll have that thought like, oh, I need to text this to Richard. And then I forget and do it later. But, <laughs> but um, that is important to him. And I think that's important to everybody. So as, as much as words can hurt, words can be so empowering mm-hmm. and motivating. And it keeps that connection strong as well. Yeah, and, and the opposite is true, right? They, the words are life-giving and, and you know uplifting, but they also can be deadly. And so I think that's why talking to your spouse in a positive, affirming way is so important. And, you know, there, there are people who are listening to this who are like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like right now, I don't like, I don't like my spouse. I don't like the person I'm dating. And it's like, okay, well, let's go back to the very beginning of your relationship. What were the things that you liked about them then? Like what were you attracted to? Um, what what are the things about them that were challenging to you in a positive way? What are the things about them that you admired? And my guess is that some of those things are still true. So even if right now your view of them is clouded, you can remember a time when they were a particular person. You like use some of those things, you know, like like let's pretend that one of the things that you liked about your spouse is they were hardworking. Well, they're probably still hardworking today. And if that's true, you can still say, hey, one of the things I, I love about you is that you're so hardworking. Or if it's loyalty or faithfulness or the way that they serve, right? Um, to be able to just say like, hey, this is... So, so there's a, another thing that I distinguish for couples. There's there's a difference between appreciation and affirmation, mm-hmm. right? Like I can say thank you for picking the kids up from school. Or I can say thank you for doing the dishes last night or for cooking dinner. Um, I can say thank you for... Um, you know, cutting, you know, mowing the lawn. But to say an affirmation of, hey, I I so appreciate it in you. It's something I appreciate about your character and your personality. Not not an act, you know, not an action, not something that they've done. It's so it's hey, like when when I when I see you pick up the kids from school, it just reaffirms to me what a what a loving mother you are, what a caring mother you are, or whatever the example may be. So again, just go back to those things that you already saw in this person a while back and and use those as the affirmations if right now it's difficult to see the good in your partner. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I like that, the difference between appreciation and affirmation. Because I think that's also, that's an area where we can get real nitpicky too is um, there are just different little habits and things that both of us have around the house that get on each other's nerves and Mm -hmm. in 13 years it hasn't changed and so I can be nitpicky about you know little things that Richard does like he never puts the toilet paper roll even on the handle at all (laughs) I can be nitpicky about that or you know the one day that he does do that or the day he does something else that I do like I can be like hey Thanks for doing that. I I appreciate that. I appreciate the way that you cleaned up the kitchen tonight. You know, like little things like that instead of because we focus so much on the negative and what our spouse is not doing that we forget that we are on the same team and there's so much that we do for each other every day, but it's easy to focus on the negative because that's, I mean, that's what our brains do when we're surviving and many of us are in survival mode. I know there are people out that are listening right now that they're in survival mode, whether it's due to an issue that their child is having or an issue that their spouse is having or another family issue or work stress or, I mean, it could be anything. We all have so much going on at any given time 
And I know for me, I want to have as much of a united front as possible with Richard because, as I always say, relationships are your primary nutrition. We talk a lot about food nutrition on this show. I post about that a lot on my on my website and on my Instagram and everything. And I'm so passionate about whole food nutrition, for sure. But as I always say, a body in stress won't digest. So I don't care what you're eating. If you are not receiving nourishment from the people in your life, your relationships, from your spiritual walk, that's a huge way to receive nourishment. We could do a whole other episode on that and and your, your spouse and, and living on purpose together, because I think that's really important, having the same values. But we need to be receiving nourishment from our environment around us beyond just what we what food we put into our bodies. And I think that, um, Richard, you nourish me well, and I am, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for how you continue to engage because I know that you don't want to all the time. It's not like, I think it's a lot easier sometimes for us to engage in our kids than it is to engage in our spouses Um, or engage our spouses. Yeah, no, again, right. It, It takes effort. It takes intentionality. And if you don't, that's where things again that's where another way that things will fall off because if if i don't make this a priority it's not it's like anything it's not going to grow on its own it's not going to to change in positive ways on its own it's not going to happen naturally like we we have to do the things that we know are going to make this relationship grow and get stronger and better and healthier and if and that goes with any like you know like you talked about anything on your podcast you talk about health wise it requires you making those changes or else you don't you don't yeah. get healthier and and so yeah, yeah it it can be because the kids are they're they let you know their like you know their needs and they let you know their needs and you have to take care of those, some of those things especially as they're younger um, and so really with your with your marriage you have to be intentional you have to talk about those things and and make an effort to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I always, when, when discussing difficult marriage situations with people, I always go back to, well, you can keep doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and be miserable. You can, you can just get out, check out, be done with it, or you can choose to go in a new direction Mm -hmm. and, and not stay stuck. Just like, again, like with any health habit, you can start making changes little by little, even if it means putting a note on your phone (laughs) to send your spouse a word of affirmation, you know, on this, on these certain days throughout the month, you doing that, you being the bigger person there, if your spouse isn't going to do it, you do it. I don't care if you're the female, the male, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about, Ooh, gender roles. Um, we're not going there, but make the effort. They're a person. They're the person that you have chosen to walk through life with closer than any other person so make that effort so anyway i i could go on and on but yeah. any last words you no, want to I share think, richard no, before I think we end just, this what you said is really important and, and I, again this is another thing that i appreciate about you in you is that you are assertive right and that there are some things there are times when i've not been intentional enough about us going on dates um and so you'll either just tell me that like hey i need a date night soon or you'll plan it and I, and I think a lot of times we're waiting on the other person to take action when we know there are actions we could take that would benefit the marriage. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, if I, if I know there are things I can do to benefit the marriage in spite of whatever they're doing, yeah. I want to do those things. And again, I know that gets harder for couples who are in a tough season or a tough spot, but 
know that if you're going to sit back and do nothing, it's not going to do any good. It's not going to benefit you. It's not going to benefit them. It's not going to benefit the relationship. And so if there are things you know, if and when I do these things, it makes us better together, do those things. Yeah, yeah. So the key to spicing things up is to do those things. Oh, yes, do the things. Um, <laughs> and the, the th- and, yeah, it, well, and I think, right, I mean, the way I would say it is just, uh, again, would be, hey, this week, right? Find, find five affirmations that you could share with your partner. You know, like, what are five things this week you could tell them throughout the week that would be uplifting, would be encouraging, would be empowering, would connect the two of you um, in your relationship, no matter where you're at? with things right now. Yeah, I love that. That's that's good and actionable. Well, Richard, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, I guess we're just going to have to do this again. Yeah. It's pretty convenient. I know this is your day off. So I appreciate you taking the time because you could be um, hanging out with the kids or laying around doing nothing like mm. you Enneagram 9s like to do. Right. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. Love you. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.